Welcome to the Holistic You podcast. I'm your host, James Weiler. The purpose of this podcast is to teach you the things you didn't get taught at school, to teach you the things your parents didn't teach you about what it is to live a happy, healthy, and balanced life. Each week, we'll bring you expert guests to help you break down into bite-sized digestible pieces important life lessons you need to know. This will inspire you with confidence for your own personal journey. Hi, just a quick note. This podcast provides general financial advice only. That means it is not specific to you, your needs, goals or objectives. Don't act on the information until you've spoken with a financial advisor. If you're looking for an advisor, a good place to start is by visiting the ASIC Money Smart website. Welcome back, guys. One of the eight areas that underpins living holistically is wealth. And specifically, what I want to talk to you all about today is direct share investing or us as individuals investing in the share market. Now, the reason I want to talk about this is because when I talk to my friends, I talk about the fact that we all need to try and get rich slow. Many of you have probably heard my previous podcast episode about the story of the tortoise and the hare. Now, when I'm telling my friends this, particularly one friend, Sammy, he says, well, James, while you're getting rich slow, I'm going to have a big boat because I've been so successful with all my investments. And I'm going to have a little boat that ferries people between the mainland and my big boat. And you know what? My little boat that ferries people between the mainland and my big boat is actually going to be bigger than your big boat. And they say, well, how's that going to work out for you, do you reckon? And it's a good point. And my friend might be right. But unfortunately for my friend, the research and evidence actually shows that us as individual investors do much worse than what the general market return does. And what I mean by that is you as an individual, if you're picking individual shares in the share market versus if you just capture the entire market return, and there's different ways you can do this currently, you would actually, as an individual, on average, do worse than just capturing the market return. And ladies and gents, the reason that this is, is because of this thing called the behavior gap. Now, the behavior gap can be explained in detail by a gentleman out of the US called Carl Richards. And Carl Richards puts it down to a few things. One of those is the fact that we as individual investors overreact, okay? We overreact in the short term to what happens in markets. So instead of buying low and selling high, we tend to buy high and sell low, okay? So we overreact in the short term to what happens in markets. Now, some interesting insights. So when the market goes down, we feel twice as worse as when it goes up. Or said differently, we feel half as good when the market goes up than when it goes down. Now, we are emotional creatures. So when it comes to investing, this is not good because we emotionally think that we're going to potentially lose everything when the market goes down. And this sometimes can cause us to make irrational decisions and not very sensible decisions when it comes to our investing. Now, if you didn't like anything that I just said and you still want to invest 
in direct shares and you're wondering why do some individual investors do better than others, then this is a good episode for you. Because what I'm going to talk to you all about today is the concept of sustainable competitive advantage. When Warren Buffett, who is arguably the most famous investor ever to walk the earth, he said, a company must have a durable competitive advantage that protects it from attack like a moat protects a castle. So what does he mean by this? He means fundamentally that you want to invest in a share that is going to grow in value over time, meaning its profits are going to be sustainable and its profits are going to continue to grow over time. So competitors are not going to eat into its profits. And what he describes as a moat is the way that those profits can be protected and continue to be earned. And there's four main types of moats that are out there. And guys, I'm going to mention a few company names. So I just want to reiterate that there's no personal advice today. It's just general information only. And if you require personal advice, you need to see a stockbroker or a financial planner. So the first type of moat is called a monopoly. Now, monopoly is where you have exclusive control over the provision of whatever the services is that you're providing. Now, there's two really good examples here in Australia um, that I can think of. One is a company by the name of Transurban, which is a toll road operator. And the other one is Horizon, which is a, a rail which provides railways um, and obviously the rolling stock that goes along with it. So firstly, let's have a look at the toll road. So you can imagine that you've got most of your citizens living around the city and you've got a river and on the other side of the river, so citizens on one side, on the other side of the river is the airport and you want to get your citizens to the airport quicker. So you decide to, 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 buy, to, to build a bridge and you charge a toll road operator such as Transurban to build that bridge. Now, as you can appreciate, when it comes to these monopolistic type moats, these companies are doing very careful planning with governments. They're getting government sign-off, they're getting government approval. Not only that, these types of projects are seriously capital intensive. As you can appreciate, if anyone's ever seen a bridge, we all know that a lot of cost, a lot of cost goes into that bridge. A lot of people need to be employed, a lot of materials. And as a result, guys, it's really difficult and really makes no sense for competitors to replicate or try and create another bridge. Obviously, from time to time, this does happen. Many people who would live in Brisbane would know that there's, there's probably too many bridges. There's footbridges, there's, there's bridges that buses go across, there's bridges that cars go across, there's all types of bridges and there's, there seems like there's double up. But you understand the point, it's hard to replicate. It's hard because it's capital intensive and requires a lot of government approval. The other example that I thought was good and worth sharing is a railway. So you might have a mine and that mine might be inland and you, you may want to get your resources from that mine to a port so that you can export those resources offshore, which as we know, we, 
we export a lot of our mining resources to places like China. To be able to get the resources from the mine to the port, you need to build a railway. And again, it's the same concept. So you're going to be working with government to get approval and sign off, and you're going to, it's going to require careful planning. And not only that, building a railway is going to require a lot of labor and also a lot of materials. So it's very capital intensive. It's going to cost a lot. And the second type of moat is what's called the scale moat. And this basically means that the increased amount of output decreases the price of each of that output. So a good example of this is, let's say that you're selling widgets. As you scale up production of those widgets, the marginal cost of those widgets reduces. That's probably the, the simplest example. And some, some actual examples in the real world, probably the best one is a company like Costco. So Costco competes on the fact that it can pr provide the cheapest groceries. And Costco can do that because of its sheer scale. So as you can appreciate, there's supply chain. So you've got to pay for fuel. You've got to pay for um, freight and transport. You've got to pay for um, storage. And along that supply chain, they can drive the price um, at which they pay. And this can result in them charging a cheaper cost for each of their units, call it, of the various products that they sell. And as a result, that allows them to compete on cost and have the cheapest costs compared to their competitors and therefore provides them with that sustainable competitive advantage. The third type of moat is what's called the network effect moat. And this is where consumers increase their use of this product or service and it results in the increase in value of that product or service. Some really good examples here in Australia are realestate.com, car sales, and seek. And effectively what these companies do is they act as a intermediary or facilitator between consumer and the service that they're providing. And the reason that these companies are so good and provide such a great opportunity for sustainable competitive advantage is because they are recognized as a premium portal for facilitating the consumer with that, that service. So I've even heard people say, if you're asking them how they're going with their job, they've said, oh, well, I'm on Seek at the moment. So the brand awareness of Seek is so well recognized that it replaces or has and or can be seen to replace the act of actually finding a job. So when you can find companies like that, that can provide for that really nice moat and that sustainable competitive advantage. The fourth type of moat is the secrets moat. And some people might see this as the intellectual property or patent moat. And this is where you have an idea and you protect other competitors from replicating that idea. This is quite common in the pharmaceutical industry. And as you'd all know, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, some of those other companies that created COVID vaccines would have certainly protected the recipes or formulas that went into creating those vaccines. Some of the other well-known ones would be Coca-Cola, which has protected for a long time the recipe for its syrup. So we'll end it there. So the key takeaways from this episode are that when it comes to investing, 
if we invest and capture the entire market return, we can do this through what's called a managed fund, for example, versus if we individually pick stocks, we're likely to be worse off on average. And this can be explained by the behavior gap, which is the propensity for us as individual investors to overreact to volatility in the market. Now, if we do still feel the urge to have a punt and invest directly in shares, we can do this. And when it comes to identifying shares that are going to grow their profits in value over time, there's those four different types of moats that we can work with. The first being monopoly, the second being scale, the third being network effect, and finally, the fourth being secrets. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Holistic You podcast, where we inspire you with the confidence to live a happy, healthy, and more balanced life. If you found today's content meaningful, please tag me in the stories or posts or follow me on Instagram. Like and subscribe and leave a five-star written review.